The Ryan Rosillo Podcast, your home for motorsports. We're talking NASCAR today. Danny Hamlin, three-time Daytona winner. Daytona's this weekend. Interesting story. He's a decorated driver. He's owners with Michael Jordan of 2311 Racing. And we've got a longer life advice for you. Enjoy the weekend. It's the Ryan Rosillo Podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. I'm excited to do this a bit out of the comfort zone. Denny Hamlin joins us now. 51 wins, three-time Daytona winner. Also a team owner of 2311 Racing and the star of the first episode of NASCAR's Full Speed and also a podcaster, which <laughs> is uh, which is is actually a good part of the plot. Again, the podcast is Actions Detrimental. Thanks for doing this, Danny. How are you, man? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So did your your PR people say, hey, you should really go on with this Ryan guy? Because I we were getting it, and I, I just said, I don't want to embarrass myself, and I don't want to waste his time, but it's it seemed like people really thought we would hit it off here. Yeah, I mean, we're fellow sports guys, right? So uh, just because I talk about one sport probably more than uh, you, you carry uh, a plethora of different sports that you probably uh, you know, carry. So um, we're still in the same family, so I, I think we can make it work. Yeah, just content guys, a couple content right. guys hanging right. out. Uh, all right, so in <laughs> in the pilot, or excuse me, I guess I call it the pilot, but it's the first episode of, of the Netflix series. I knew I liked you immediately. I was like, okay. And I was like, I think I like this guy. And then within a minute, they show a clip of everybody booing you. And I went, wait, what's, what's going on? So is that the editing? Is that the scattering report on your relationship with NASCAR fans? Where yeah. are you in the popularity contest of this sport? Uh, in the barrel. I, I'm at the bottom for sure. Um, it, that ha- tends to happen, I found out, when you maybe wreck a few popular drivers. Uh, the, the, the fans just don't seem to resonate with that quite quite well. So, uh, yeah, it seems like there is a kind of rivalry, I guess you would say, with me and the uh, NASCAR fan. Uh, in general, uh, which I'm okay with because I'm just, every time I run up front and win races, I just, I'm a thorn in their side. that's just not going to get rid of. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think you yell, like I'd be your favorite racer. And I was like, that's a, that's <laughs> right. a really good line. Uh, can you, 
as I've admitted, I know almost nothing about the sport, although there was one stretch at ESPN very, very early on in my career where they were like, we're going to be talking NASCAR regularly, so get on it. And I studied like crazy in a hotel room for Daytona. I talked about it for six hours during a live radio show, and then they never had us do it again. So it was very weird that they were getting on our case that much. So when I think about like the career arc of an athlete, what is it like for a driver? You know, being a little yeah. kid and then figuring it out and then getting to this point. What's that like? You know, I think it's pretty similar to other sports, honestly. It's, you know, it, you always hear debate about, well, who would have been, who's the best, you know, the guys that competed in the 90s, the dominators that the athletes have been now, or the ap- athletes or the young kids that are in sports now. It's, it's different because I think the uh, kind of the, what is considered the statistical prime of uh, a NASCAR driver is in their late thirties. And actually the peak number is like 40 years old. Um, a lot of that, but then there's a huge steep decline, like right after really the age I am now 43, it, it just really goes down. But I feel like I've had kind of a resurgence in my career here in the latter half. I'm, I'm year 19 now. Um, just, really embracing like every other sport the analytics the data and and if i can mix in you know giving this dog kind of some new tricks along with using my veteran experience to beat these guys mentally then i'm going to have a leg up which is why i feel like i'm on top of my game right now so the the career arc i would say that is you've got drivers that start in go-karts when they're eight years old um and they work their way up the ranks and they just keep going. You know, the difference in in NASCAR or other sports is that, you know, if you have a, a son or a daughter or whatever that plays sports, you've got to buy them the shoes, maybe the helmet, the pads. They're good to go. Their, their career is going to be made from their talent level and their accomplishments from there. The difference in motor racing driving is that you have to have funding, right? You have to put tires on the car. You got to have a new engine, this, that, and the other. It's always evolving. So it really relies on having a few backers behind you or sponsors to almost bet on you as a horse. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy into this horse's future that he's going to go win the Kentucky Derby for me one day and I'm going to get a, a return on, on that investment. So it's just a little bit different because uh, of, of how the careers start, how it evolves. But, um, you know, our champion last year, Ryan Blaney, I think is in his twenties, right? So there's a wide range of age between us all, but we're all pretty equal on the racetrack. Okay. So when I think about the quarterbacks and college football players, a little bit different because there's more seasoning with the NBA, you can have a team draft somebody and you're like, this guy sucks at basketball. And then it's like, yeah, but there's how big he is, how he moves. Okay. We see something where if it goes down, is there any similarity with young drivers where it's like he's not winning, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's not doing this, but there's a way he drives that tells us if things were to work out that his ceiling is high enough that he can compete at the highest level. Is there any similarity there? 100%. Uh, when I came in, you know, my family had little to no funding. We really relied on others to kind of keep my career going. But when I did get noticed and I did have success, the team I drive for says, well, who's next? Who's the next guy that's, you know, we haven't or talking about yet. And back then I said, well, it's, it's Brad Kozowski for sure. And they're like, you mean that guy that gets lapped six times every race? I'm like, yes, because I can see 
that he's getting the most out of his the car that he's driving. He's driving the piss out of it. He's just you can just see if he actually had a good car, he'd be really good. And then a few years later, the guy went to championship. So, like you know, it's just we can see those things. It's really hard for the casual fan to see that um, the the top end ability of some. But I know with our team twenty three eleven, you know, we hired Tyler Reddick a year and a half in advance just because I knew that his ceiling was really, really high. And that if I could mentor him a little bit, this is a, a guy that would carry my franchise for decades. So I got into F1 because of the Netflix series. Never thought I would. You know, I just don't have a ton of time with all the other stuff that I watch. And it became cool because it was exotic. I don't care who you are. If you're a guy, a fucking race yes. car is cool. Okay. It's just cool. But the hardest thing that I had, and you know, it always gets turned into like, oh, you're just a stupid American. I'm like, so you got these 10 teams and like seven of them know they have no chance. And right. in the race, they'll be like, don't race him. We're racing for seventh today. We're racing for eighth. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, what's the point? So I, I imagine there's some parts of NASCAR that are like that, but it's, it seems to be a far more level playing field where anybody has, like, it feels like you guys have way more of a chance on a weekend than they do. There's way more parity for sure. I mean, when you think about, I mean, just last year in F1, you really had one car, one driver dominate the entire thing. Um, and realistically, there was two and a half teams that could win. So that's four, you know, five total drivers that realistically could win in F1. NASCAR, it's realistically 18. That That is, you know, with good enough teams, good enough pit crews, their talent level is good enough that they can do it. So similar to like, I think about the NBA, and when small markets started winning, like uh, Milwaukee or whatever it might be, people tune in because if they know that the Lakers are just going to crush Charlotte every time, well, Charlotte's so bad now that that's true. But you, you, people tune in because there's always a chance that the smaller market or the underdog has a chance to win. In F1, that's not really true, where NASCAR actually is true. So the, the competitive parity is what makes this form of motorsports in America is so strong. And it's why you, you'll you see this weekend, Daytona 500, a sold-out crowd because the competition is like, unlike any other. So that brings us to the team dynamic. And I didn't understand it, and I'm still not sure that I do, but you're not only a driver. Uh, you own a team with Michael Jordan, 2311 uh, Racing, where you have two other drivers. And that's a big part of the first episode. I... I imagine you're, are you the first to do this? I, again, I don't know, mm -hmm. but that's a, that's a, that's good. Like, how is that even allowed? <laughs> that's a really good question. And a lot of people ask that. Um, Dale Earnhardt was the last one who owned one team, but drove for another. So it had been 20, 20 plus years, the gap in that happening. Um, and truthfully, I didn't think I would get into team ownership until my career was over, but just kind of the chips fell in place right around COVID. One team was kind of going out of business or not going to be able to sustain COVID and, and the impact it had on sponsorship. I was able to pick up those pieces and start a team. Obviously, couldn't do it without Michael Jordan and his financial backing as well. Um, and so it is. It, it wasn't a conflict until it was. And, and you kind of saw it in the Netflix around the third episode or second episode where 
you know, my team owner, Joe Gibbs says, well, surely you're going to help our team. And I'm like, uh, well, actually, I'm going to help the team that I own because I need to be a leader for them. And but we we have a really good alliance between the teams because we are both Toyota that they want us working together anyway. So I, listen, my first priority is to win for the 11 car and this weekend, the FedEx car and the Daytona 500. And if my team finishes second and third, that's the perfect scenario for me, because ultimately me winning is is the best thing that we can do for 2311 to keep relevancy and and as, as an owner. So listen, I've got years and decades to win as a team owner uh, with 2311, but my, my years are numbered as a driver to win a championship. Uh, so my goal is always to beat those guys and hopefully they finish second. But see, this dynamic is what made it so interesting in the series. And this is why I liked you is you were just like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And you say on your podcast, you're like, look, if I have to get one of my guys across, especially with Bubba Watson at the close of last year, trying to get him in the playoff, it's like, that's, I can't go back into my team room 100%. and tell them like, I'm, I'm against you. But then it runs into Joe Gibbs because mm. Joe Gibbs racing and your teammate is his relative and right. he's going like, was it, <laughs> why would you do this? Or was it more like, why the fuck would you say this? Um, he just, I, I said, listen, Joe, there's such a small chance that this is even going to be a, a story. Like, it's only a story if my team and your team are battling side by side for the win. And which car do I get behind and push? Like, the chances of that was less than 1%, which it didn't actually happen, right? So, but it was, they wanted to know if that situation comes up, how are you going to react? And I said, listen, I don't want to disappoint you. I just want to be upfront with you and say that. You know, this is where my allegiance lies because I, I just feel like I need to be a leader for them and I have to do them right. So um, it, it worked itself out. And my relationship with Joe has been so good for the last eight, 18 years that I've been with him that, you know, he understood. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Okay, let's look at some winners for you. MVP numbers. As of right now, Jokic is minus 140. Shea Gildress Alexander's plus 210. Giannis is plus 700. Lucas plus 1300. And Jason Tatum plus 6,000. That's probably the best number you're going to get for Jokic, but the value in Tatum. For Shea to be plus 210 and Tatum to be plus 6,000 is insane. So I'm going to play both of those. Okay, something else here. Let's look at regular season wins. We did some research. We put in the time. The Miami Heat, as of right now, are 30 and 25. They're the seventh seed in the East. They're projected, or at least the number that you're betting here, is over under 46 and a half wins. All right. Overs plus 118, unders minus 144. So think of it this way. And I did look up the remaining strength of schedule, and Miami has one of the three easiest the rest of the way. But Miami, who is good but doesn't really care about the regular season and has had all sorts of guys missing time throughout the year, they're five over 500, 55 games in. So they're 30 and 25, as we mentioned. So they have to go 17 and 10. They've got to play seven over in 27 games, when they've played five over in 55, that is an underplay. So enjoy, folks. 
That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit fanduel.com slash Ryan, R Y E N, and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com forward slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now, by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Okay, so let's go back to the Jordan part of it. You have courtside seats for Hornets games. You build a relationship with Jordan. At what point did the relationship go from, hey, that's cool because, you know, a professional athlete, mm-hmm. he is Michael Jordan. There's at least a better icebreaker with you than the average guy. When was there a pivot to, wait, I think I'm actually friends with Michael Jordan. It happened the moment that his security stopped me at a Hornets game, uh, I had courtside seats, um, and I, I got pulled to the side. Says, "You know, Mike would like to speak with you." Wow. Okay. So we talked, you know, during halftime for five minutes or so, and he gave me his number. We exchanged numbers, and the whole second half, he's asking me all these NASCAR questions, like, you know, well, how come you have this strategy or that strategy? I'm like, wait a minute, you watch NASCAR? And he's like. Yeah, he's like, you know, my dad was a huge gearhead. He used to take me to Charlotte, Darlington, Talladega. Uh, as a kid, he would take me and my sisters. And so I just, I had a passion for racing ever since. So then that pivoted to me shooting my shot, you know, probably six months later saying, hey, why don't you build my suit and my shoes, you know, to have kind of the first Jordan brand logo out there in NASCAR. That was easy. Yep, no problem, done. Then that goes into, well, I'm a Jordan brain athlete. And then 10 to 11 years later, this opportunity pops up for me to own a NASCAR team. Well, I can't do it on my own. I need a partner. But there was a speculative article out. It was totally not real. But it says Denny Hamlin is looking, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan are looking to purchase a minority stake in Richard Petty Racing. That part is only half true because I was the one kicking tires 
debating on how I'm going to get in to be a team owner. He had nothing to do with it whatsoever, but they just knew me and him were friends. And I, I think there was some false information. So I'm like, do I send him this article? I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do that. I, I'm just going to do it. So I sent it to him and he says, ha ha, it's fake news, obviously. But if you want to make it real news, let me know. I said, hold up. What do you mean? He says, well, are you going to be a team owner or not? I says, if the right opportunity presents itself, I am looking around. He says, well, if you want a partner, when that time comes, let me know. And I says, when can you meet? So I had my business team type up a uh, kind of a business proposal, how we're going to how we're going to get this off the ground, how we're going to run it. Here's the financials. And so I flew down there two days later to Florida, met with him and says, here's the plan. And he says, listen, I, I, I'm i in, but this is going to have to go through my people, right? It, so they spent the next two months kind of vetting NASCAR, vetting myself and all this. And finally, a couple months later, they said, we're in, we're, we're good to do this. So three, you know, that's been three and a half years now uh, ago, we started a team. Man, just from that text, because I look, I don't know the I don't know the anxiety pre Michael Jordan text, but just the text of like, do I send this to this person? Do I let I'll them never know? forget? I'll never forget where I was. I was on the ninth hole at a golf course. I was hitting my second shot in the fairway, and I was so befuddled by his response of, "If you want to make a real news, let me know." I forgot to hit my ball. I drove to the green, and my friends are like, "What are you doing? Like your ball's still back there." I'm like, "I'm just all messed up right now," and it's like, "Look at this text." And so they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I, I don't know. I got to figure out my next move. So um, it, it's really cool. And, and obviously his presence here at the racetrack, he showed up, I think, at six or seven of the playoff races last year because he had two drivers in it. Um, that matters for our team. And you know, he, he loves the sport. All right, let's talk about the NASCAR environment. Um, when you decide that you're going to punch a guy after the race, how do you, how do you plan that? How do you position the car? How do you talk yourself? Like how far are you willing to go? Cause it seems like you guys punch each other quite a bit. Yeah, it happens. I mean, for me personally, the first thing I look around is like, um, where's, where's support at? You know, if, if I go in with this, I need to know that there's more of my people than their people. <laughs> so I, I, I check out my surroundings first before I go there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Last year, there was a, a couple good shots landed, uh, but NASCAR security was right there, <laughs> and, it, and it actually prevented the uh, the the the, ver, the return punch. So, the rule of thumb pretty much is that you've you, you need to be the first to get a shot in because you're going to get broken up pretty quick. Okay, that's good to know. I think that applies applies <laughs> outside of the racetrack as well. I was thinking about this, and this may be stupid, but considering what's at stake when you're out there in these cars and you know there's a line i think from the f1 thing that i think completely relates because you're just race car drivers is that you got to be a bit of a bastard you know you got to be selfish you got to be wired differently to even get into one of these cars and especially with nascar and how bad the pileups like it can get so ugly and you don't even know what's going on and it just ends up being luck good luck or bad luck but do you think day-to-day -day things bother a race car driver less considering what's at stake during your job Probably. I mean, I think that there was a moment in my personal life, you know, I had kids where it just it just changed my outlook on 
the appreciation of the sport. I actually fractured my spine back in 2013 in a wreck, had to sit out uh, six or seven races. And I, you know, sitting on the sideline watching my car go around and someone else driving it, like it just really awakens you quite a bit. Like in the NBA, you're hurt. Ain't nobody else wearing your jersey, right? It's it's just, it's the next guy up. But in NASCAR, like you are, you are the leader of the team. You are the quarterback. The crew chief is the head coach. So that's kind of how this works. But certainly, you know, we understand the risk that we have in the sport. And, you know, for many, many years, there was kind of like a, a fatality per year. And then NASCAR really put an emphasis on the safety aspect right after Dale Earnhardt died. And um, I was very fortunate to come in the sport right after all of that. So uh, we certainly don't still take it for granted. There's been some close calls over the years um, because, you know, it's not many other sports where you're kind of risking life and limb, right? So uh, we understand it, but it's it's what we grew up doing, loving, and uh, I wouldn't change much. There's an amazing moment in the first episode where you're at Daytona towards the end of the year and you're you're basically telling everybody you're sensing something. You're sensing a wreck is coming and you you drop back. I know the editing can be a little dramatic at times, but I mean, how, how real is that? That you're sensing something and now you decide to give up all these positions to give yourself a better chance to get away from something. That's real. Uh, I, I've done it every super speedway race and super speedway races like a Daytona and Talladega where we're all running in a big pack. Uh, a lot of it because I know wrecks are inevitable. It's going to happen. And what I sense and what my gut tells me and what my head tells me is what my eyes is seeing. And that is people are starting to running, run into the back of each other harder. We're not giving each other as much room side to side. So it's, we're going to crash. It's, it's going to happen. The intensity starting to pick up. And I know that the only way I'm going to win this race is if I get out of that. Now it's going to make it harder for me to get back to the front because I'm giving up positions for free, but to win the race, you must first finish. And I, I make sure that I try to do everything I can to give myself a chance to be in the picture when they throw the checker flag. And if I'm on a record, that's not going to happen. So um, I think that that intuition has really helped me over the years um, get to the finish and have the success that we had. So I'm just going to keep trusting my instincts until it, it fails me. Are your insurance premiums higher for race car drivers a hundred percent yes 100 percent. no doubt about it it wasn't because your daughter was driving the truck when you were dropping <laughs> dropping her off at school no i mean i figure that's how everybody learns right it's either in your driveway i mean for me and her it's in the uh school drop-off line so um yeah I, trust me they didn't love seeing that that's for sure <laughs> i was just imagining them watching be like hey why don't we uh Get, a, get on a call with him and update his uh, his <laughs> yeah. new price. Is there a pair of Jordans that you can't get then? No. No. Uh, luckily, I, I get one of everything that comes off the line. So um, it wreaks havoc with storage for me because, I, you know, I, I just posted an Instagram clip of kind of all my Jordan collection. And I think the tally was 530 something. But that's all that I've kept in the last four years. Before that, I donated 90% of everything I got. You know, I only keep one out of 10 shoes that come in. And so, you know, I would donate them to shelters and whatnot. It got barred from doing that because they said it was causing fights amongst different people. And so I couldn't, couldn't donate them anymore. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep everything, keep it in a storage warehouse. And then 
my kids will one day go through dad's Jordan collection. So maybe they think it's cool, maybe not, but either way, I keep it all now. I'm going to refrain from asking what size you are. So you're telling me <laughs> if if there's like the players only, you know, if they do an Oregon Jordan yes. 4 or whatever, the Michigan 5s, you can you can get those. You can make I that can. happen. Yep. Yep. Guy should have been impressed before uh earlier <laughs> stuff in this interview, but now now a little All right, let me um let me close with this. Chris Paul is one of my favorite players ever. I defend him passionately. I feel like he's the greatest winner who hasn't won. For some players, I look at them and go, your style of play is not conducive to winning. Right. And then I look at other guys and I go, it just didn't happen for you. But it doesn't mean that you can't win. You've got all of these career victories. You don't have the cup championship. It feels a little Chris Polish, huh? Hmm. It does. I think it's a little bit different because – the way in which you win a championship in the NBA has not changed in decades, right? You still got to go through this seven-game series, what have you. They haven't – I mean, there's been minor tweaks probably to, you know, standings and divisions and all that stuff. But in NASCAR, it's changed so much. It, it used to be a big old sample size. When you take 36 races and you compile who had the best season, that's your champion. Now it is an elimination-style format. Listen, we're on the track with our competition, right? So people that are eliminated from the playoffs can cause a caution that can screw you over and keep you from winning. So there is a bit of chance to this that there's not in other sports because our sample size is so small. And other people, but listen, if, 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 if the Super Bowl happens and the competition makes a mistake, you capitalize. In our sport, if competition makes a mistake, they can involve me in that mistake. And I had nothing to do with that. And it just seems like I had been cursed for the greater part of my career at the end of the seasons by things that hadn't been in my control. And and the dice have just, we've cracked out every time when it comes down to it. Um, so I, it's not going to define me because I think that wins really, really matter. And crown jewel wins, you know, the winning the majors. I mean, that really shows what you've got. But the championship format is different. And I understand it. I, I know how it works, but man, there's just been that element of chance that I, has not gone my way when it really needed to. Maybe now that I have a slightly better understanding with your explanation, is like with three Daytonas, it's like, man, I've already won the Masters. Okay. So, right. That it's, it's not like Chris Paul doesn't have his Masters. You know, he doesn't have his Daytona. And the championship part of that is different because it's, it's the collection of the standings for you guys where it's like, Hey, you know, look, I don't, I don't have it yet, but I've got 51 wins. <laughs> so Right. And, and eight of those are majors for us, you know, right. Southern 500, right. It's like that may call that the U S open. So it's just, there's, I, I'm very happy with the accomplishments. Um, but yeah, surely I, I, I want, you know, and it, if you watch the Netflix um, series through and through that the fourth episode is very hard for me because I see how much it means to my parents, my dad, and I want it to happen. Uh, but all I can control is my effort. And um, as long as I give a hundred percent effort, I, I'm going to have to be content with the result. NASCAR full speed. It's out now on Netflix. And of course, check out Denny's podcast actions detrimental. And I think we're all going to be rooting for the 11 car. 
this weekend and uh, for the rest of the year, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and doing this. And uh, we've got a new favorite driver here on the podcast. So thanks. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Big fan of yours, by the way. Let me know if you need anybody to come on. I know how tough it is booking guests. If you want to do some NBA on your Absolutely. thing, we can do, we can do a little it. home and home. All right. I'm a, I'm a big sports guy, so I, I love talking about all sports. Sounds good, man. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Email address is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. We had some people chiming in in the pottery world. Kyle. <laughs> Hot seat. Yeah. That was just a throwaway line. That was so stupid. What can you do? You know what was a nice line is we get a follow-up from the original emailer. And normally, look, it's the way life works. You'd be like, oh, you know what I really liked is this podcast that I check out. And then they kind of dumped on my entire philosophy for 15 <laughs> minutes, right? Random, like, you don't often get, it's kind of like Simonis the other night going to his bench against Phoenix. Being like, don't challenge this. Actually, don't challenge this. You rarely get somebody who chimes in after because it just doesn't feel good. It's not what you really want to sign up for. You're like, oh my God, they're actually reading my email. And it's like, oh, wow, it's I like, made wait, this mistake. No, wait, <laughs> wait, really wish I hadn't set this in. Credit to that guy. He he sent a. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he said he's like, look, I just did not understand how it worked and the way pickleball is and different stuff and whatever. And so, I'm just I'm just glad. I'm glad because we can. I don't want to read emails where every time it's like, no, you're the best or that's awesome or great. It's like sometimes it's kind of fun to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like I have. Yeah, that guy right. Fucked up clearly. Right. Like, is IHOP guy not going to listen to the podcast anymore because of what we said? Or is the real strength and courage of a man? It's like, I'm not missing an episode because I still like it, even though you went a little hard at me. Yeah. Okay. I I think people hate listen all the time. Hate listening and hate watching is something that people do, you know? I still don't think my anger was directed towards IHOP emailer, where maybe it should have been. It was more about. Someone was going the to inbox. say to us, <laughs> it was the inbox. If you're running dollar pancake stacks, that's on you. And you I would pay them more for that day. You should right. pay your employees more for that day. <laughs> that's, that's not, not going to happen. That's not how people are. Okay. Uh, life advice, gym, girl, and bully bodybuilder. Uh-oh. That sounds like a that's always episode. sunny episode. That's for sure. Right? Yeah. I'd love to get Kyle a room on like just pitching ideas. <laughs> right it's called a frolic like if, room <laughs> sorry, no but i'm saying exists. could you be because everybody thinks they could be 
you know, oh, hey, my my job's a TV show or this is, you know, all these different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, how's it end? Like, oh, we should. Yeah, our, we could be a sitcom. Like, yeah, I don't know. You're not how's it end? I saw somebody. I think it was a writer. I dabble into like TV writer Twitter every now and then just to like see kind of what's going on. And uh, there was somebody that was like, every show is this. And they clearly skewed the conclusion to come to some bigger conclusion about an observation on society. It was like, this show's about this or this show's about that. It may even have been political. It might have been somebody more leaning towards the right that was talking about like the dysfunctional family and that this is what's being sold to the masses or whatever. I read the whole thing. I was like, man, that's really well put together. It's it's very specific. It's very convincing. Except good luck pitching a TV show where you're like, well, in season one, everything works out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So uh, anyway, all right, here we go. I was telling my brother an encounter I had at the gym last night. He told me to reach out to you because you were the perfect guy to give advice on this. He told me to give my gym stats and dive into the story. I'm 5'10", 175. Well, I don't like to start. Oh, it could be like lean strong, you know? <laughs> no. I'm like, I, I'm, that's close to my, my build. <laughs> yeah, and if a bodybuilder was fucking with you, I would, <laughs> I would tell you what, Kyle? What would we do there? What if he's got like the Bruce Lee thing going on, you know? What take if you do? Dudes. No, what if what? he does? No, Charge I don't think it's a take. I think that's a chalk it up to the game. Charge, Charge it to the, the game. game. Yeah. All right. So uh, our guy continues. He's from the Midwest. <laughs> All right. I train more of a hybrid style, a mix between running and lifting. I can bench press my body weight, 175, for 24 reps. Holy shit, Saruti, you may have been onto something. There you go. Uh, and I run a 17255K. That's wiry. Pretty fast. So he can run. Uh, I was getting ready to compete in the pump and run at the Arnold Classic. Oh, so wait, this guy. <laughs> it's legit. What a, should you be giving us the advice? <laughs> I know, right? I'm 5'10", 175. I didn't know what to do. And then Saruti's like, yeah, but what, what tell the rest of the story? And there is quite a story to tell. Quick backstory on my situation. I went to, uh, I met a girl that went to my gym at a bar this summer. Let's call her Cecilia. Like that. We talked, danced a little. I love when guys dance. I don't trust men that are good dancers, but I like it. You do it. She gave me her number, and that was that. We texted briefly, but I never saw her at the gym again, so it fizzled out. Fast forward to the last couple of weeks, Cecilia starts coming back to the gym. So we chat. We run into each other. She starts texting me and tells me she's single, so now I am interested. Well, her ex-boyfriend, let's call him Ivan, also works out at the gym and also happens to be the biggest guy at the gym. Not sure his gym sets. Seems more like a leg press guy than a squat guy. Last night, I'm talking to Cecilia right before I leave the gym, and I walk past Ivan. When I head to the door, he says to me as I'm walking by, quote, if you're going to talk to her so much, why don't you ask her out? I respond without looking at him. Maybe I will. Nice. He says, yes. that would be a fucking mistake. At this point, I just keep walking because I don't want any confrontation. I drive home, and I have a noti uh, notification from Instagram that says, Ivan wants to send you a message. I accept the message, and it says, next time I see you at the gym, we are going to have a talk. I respond, I don't want no trouble. My first thought was, I am never going back to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've been going there for five plus years and have a good relationship with the owner, but also do not want to get my face beat in. This morning, I changed my mindset that I'm not going to let someone bully me like this. Yes. I think that his goal is just to intimidate since he is a big guy. Need some advice. Do I stay at gym? What should I say if Ivan approaches me next time I see him? Should I top, stop talking to Cecilia? Uh, I love where your head's at with this one. And I love those numbers. Those are some impressive ass numbers, which tells me like, 
but you're also not so delusional with your own numbers that you think you're going to be able to take this Ivan guy because he sounds like he's kind of big. And I think it's a little weird that you said you just were like, maybe I will without even looking at him. You didn't, the spidey sense or just the girth shadow wasn't, you know, <laughs> setting off the tinglys there a little oh. bit. So, uh, so you guys, so I can't, I'm trying to size you up, right? I'm trying to figure out like where your head is at with certain things. Are you of the mindset? It's like, well, I'm not going to let anybody talk to me like that because I work out and I'm strong and you know, you get a little bit older, you might be more inclined to want to stick up for yourself. So, um, despite, you know, everybody trying to size each other, uh, size each other up during our younger years. All right. So do not quit the gym. Don't let them do that to you. Uh, the reality is the actual physical confrontation, the percentages are really, really low. Now, if this guy's juiced up on everything that he's at the point where he's taking female, female, uh, or I should say women hormones, yep, um, right. where he's trying to counter <laughs> everything else that he's doing. <laughs> Sounded worse. I really love that one. Uh, Taking woman pills. We don't want to give you the complete sign off. We're like, ah, fuck this guy. He's not going to do anything. Because if there's a guy that's going to do something, it's probably a guy like this. Yeah. Um, and you also kind of can't really tell Cecilia to be like, hey, I would ask you out, but I'm horrified of Ivan because then yep. she's going to be like, you're you're an asshole anyway. But then if she tells on him, then maybe you're in all sorts of other trouble. So I don't. I, I think, look, if this guy's enormous and he's tough and he might just be enormous and not tough, but yeah, I don't know that happens. you're going to, yeah, you're not really going to want to be like, let's find out how fucking tough this guy really is <laughs> when he's got you by a hundred pounds. Um, Hold on. Can you just, but can you just say to Cecilia, like jokingly, like, Hey, what's up with your ex? Is that guy got to kick my ass? Like, you know, cause that way, like you're not saying, Hey, I'm scared or like, I'm not, I don't want to date you. Could you just kind of float it as a joke? And if she's like, Oh yeah, he's a crazy person. Like I'd stay away from him. Then you kind of know where you're at. That's definitely a route. I think I would do, I would fake it till I make it sort of thing. Like, I think you say nothing to anyone and just, and just be a, a nervous wreck. <laughs> and, and soon you'll just learn to live in that chaos a little bit. I think, I think that's okay. I think, yeah, but you shouldn't have to feel done. this way. You shouldn't have to feel this way as an older man. Okay. Like, you know, I had a guy that I was definitely afraid of when I was younger. And then there was a guy years later that wanted nothing to do with me because it's something he did in the, the, the circumstances, the living transactions that he put himself through to avoid me for like a year were fucking comic. Now I think back, like, God, it's like the most effort anybody's ever put into something. But then I also remember like, you know, when I was, I think I was like 16 and somebody had it out for me just because he was a fucking weirdo of a guy, but he just decided he's picked me, right? It, it was an awful, awful feeling. And God, I can't even remember like, <laughs> I've never felt that uh, since then, years later. So you, to even have that in the back of your head because somebody wants to kick your ass. But most, I, I, it's got to be way over 99% of the time. These transactions end up not even remotely being physical. Mm -hmm. And if you can try to convince him that you're not going to be bullied while also being respectful, I don't know. I don't know what the combination of moves here is, but you can't quit the gym. If he says, hey, we're going to have a talk, you're like, okay, what do you want to talk about? You know, and I, I would tell you, if he's that much bigger than you and you get a chance to get any scattering report on him, it doesn't, he's, he's in the wrong. I mean, look, if, if this is the way it worked, there's nobody was allowed to date anybody's ex. You weren't friends with the guy, you know, it's not like, Hey, you population were roommates. Problem. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like the whole, like, Oh, I can't believe you're dating my sister. Well, eventually somebody had to start dating somebody's <laughs> sister. Okay. <laughs> That's just, it's, it's years ago. Someone actually signed off on it. Okay, man. So, I don't know that you want to be like high school, college Saruti here. We're like, yeah, fucking Cecilia. 
What's yeah. up? So fucking dancing this summer. What are you going to do about it, son? You know? Because now you're just going to... You Now you might it. get punched. Not proud right. of it. I have never been punched, though, so that's probably why I... You've had never been punched? That's incredible. Not in the face. No, yeah. That's incredible. Wait, would somebody just decide to go body blows on you after an altercation? <laughs> I mean, we've been in like... I've been in scraps that weren't like that serious, but I've never been like punched in the face. Scraps that weren't that serious? What did you so, like, say? No, scraps? Nothing in the face? Yeah, like, you know, like... I'm trying to think of like, you know, it would be there was one time it was after like a party, like me, me and this guy got into like a little bit of a shoving match and like I don't <laughs> even remember if it went to the floor, but like no one was throwing punches and then and then everybody yeah. kind of gets you off each other and that and it ends. I've had a few of those, but nothing where somebody just cold cocked me in the face. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend not being. I wouldn't have pegged you as one of those guys. Usually I could spot those guys. Yeah, I just get a little mouthy and 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 I would not recommend doing that. Yeah, I did I did that to a guy at the University of Delaware. One of my buddies is uh was a cheerleader there and those guys are interesting guys in that <laughs> they obviously it's a little bit of a different thing, it's but also funny. like some of those guys are gigantic. Like they're huge. Yeah, but full they're, respect they're to the male cheerleaders up in listening. the air. They're yes. big. And there was this one guy, yeah, he's wearing an Ohio State shirt and I was really not into Ohio State at that moment and I just kind of I, I don't even know what I directly said to him, but it wasn't great and the guy could have kicked my ass and didn't. And yeah, just don't do that. Don't be that guy. But can you, I think it's worth talking to the guy though. Just, can you just, you just have to do it in a public place. Like do it in the locker room, do it where other people are around. You can't just like go outside because then he might parking just take your ass in the alley. Definitely not a parking lot conversation. But yeah, maybe it's just worth being like, all right, man, like, what do you want to talk about? Like, I, like, are, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm talking to this girl or is she your ex? Like just play dumb. And, and I don't know, like, what's he going to do? Be mad at you for pursuing? Like he doesn't, I think, I know, well, I know obviously this no guy's reasoning upset. with him. Right. Yeah, there's like, probably no reasoning with him, he, but like maybe when you when you when he hears himself like be this upset about it, and like you're just like I don't know, man, I don't even know you. I'm just talking to this girl. Like maybe he realized how dumb he sounds, and it just kind of deescalates the situation. Yeah, probably I, not, but I like it. I think yeah. Well, the one thing you can't do though is be is be like shrink, you know, and be like, oh shit, I didn't know, and stuff like that. Like it has to be apparent that you won't be bullied, but also like there's a way to do that without being a fucking asshole. Sorry for cursing. Uh, Thirteen minutes in, I think our last curse came thirteen minutes in too. Um, I just think that the the one thing you can't show signs of like that this guy can get over on you by just saying a bunch of crazy shit and like and like standing up straight, you know, like you can't you have to be like, I'm not one of those guys that I'm not going to just do whatever you say because of that. And you shouldn't and you, you haven't done anything wrong. So don't say that you've done anything wrong. Like the words I'm sorry shouldn't come out of your mouth or like, sorry, I didn't know. I think there's like a lot of times bullies just need to know that like you're not you're not going to be fucked with. There's plenty of dudes walking this earth that will. And it's just so move on to somebody else. I think that's where it is. I like this. Walk that line. I, I like, and you know, I don't think we're telling him to do something. Like, granted, if the guy's like, all right, we'll, we'll talk. If he goes, meet me at the Cumberland Farms parking lot, you <laughs> yeah. know, then Four don't. 4 a.m. Don't yeah. do that. If Definitely you could don't. keep it in the lobby, or if you could pull it off to the side of the squat rack, be like, hey, you said you wanted, I mean, you would absolutely dome him mentally if when you saw him first at the gym and you just went up like <laughs> totally in control. It was like, all right, what do you want to talk about? You know, and be like, now the problem is if he's a real dumb person, Okay, if he's and I hate to stereotype and if he's like just absolutely broken, there's no you need to attempt at being reasonable and then size up the situation yes. from there. And then you can start thinking about that part of her, because granted, we both know what's going to happen. If she's hot enough, you're still going to risk it. <laughs> yeah. right? uh, I think we got it. We got it covered yep. there. Yep. Good luck. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. And fall else fails run. I actually do want to know how this goes, so please follow up. I really do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Okay, 34 married, got asked out by a 23-year-old. Whoa, who still has it? This guy. 6'1", 165, did four sets of 10 uh, at 145 on squats today. 145 or 135? Basketball comp is Tyrone Hill, uh, where he to suffer from unhousedness. What? Oh, that's he was trying to say he's the homeless man's version. But you oh, yeah, say yeah, that. yeah. That's right, unhoused. I think I've even used that. That's the new term. Thank yeah. you, Kyle. I should have figured that out a little bit quicker, but um, I got caught on the extra five pounds on each side. <laughs> Last week, my friend invited me to listen to his friend talk about how we can live foreverish. Ooh, whoa, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like an incredible. Do you realize that sentence? <laughs> he sent me an invite to the event, which looked official. I showed up to the lobby of a nice building. I met a guy who thinks we can live foreverish, and four people Ish. in addition to my friend who invited me. Uh, I remember I was in New York City once, meatpacking district, and I met a girl that was like, oh my God, food is the worst for you. She's like, I don't eat food. <laughs> As she chain smoked and drank on our tab, she said, and asked if any of us wanted to do coke. After giving us a speech about <laughs> how food kills you and that if you can just breathe in enough sunlight and then balance that with it's a juice. Daylight diet, yeah. Yeah. She's like, you can't. She's like, you guys eat food? Yeah. Food is terrible. Anyone want any blow? <laughs> um, I was fascinated by her. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was expecting to walk through one of the many doors in the lobby to listen to this guy speak, possibly on a stage of sorts. The Live Foreverish guy then leads us out to the building, but I'm still expecting to at least lead something like a meeting. This is amazing. Is this fake? We arrive at a spot. We ask, we're ask, we asked for IDs, and I realize we're in a restaurant. We all sit down and order food. I'm thinking, all right, this isn't a conference or a meeting, but I'm at least expecting this guy to hold court. Once everybody gets their food, he just gives an elevator pitch about how he believes aging is programmed. It can be shut off so we can live forever. He asked me what I would do if he could uh, offer me a life extension and does not get the reference when I ask if he's talking about a certain Tom Cruise movie. This guy's good. He's smart. Back to the unhoused. It all makes sense now. Anyway, uh, after this guy pitches me his life extension, I talked to the girl that I sat next to by happenstance. She came to the life extension event because she's newer in town and wants to be in the mix. Man. At some point, she <laughs> mentions to me that she's a musician. As the night was winding down, I asked her if she had an Instagram for her music. She asked for my phone, perhaps worried that I'm blocked uh, all of her associated accounts and searches for herself. Mm. Oh, it's a reference to Kyle. Nice. Yeah. This guy's got, he's really into the lore. Yeah, like yeah, it. he is. Like, I understood what that one was, but then I'm like, all right, is this a mess? Whatever, we'll just keep reading it. I feel like this is a plot to something, though. When I get home, it, I have a, it was nice to meet you message from her. Fear sets in. I immediately tell my wife what happened, and then I'm worried uh, the girl got the wrong idea. We exchange two messages and laugh reactions about the life extension. Then I end the conversation. I'm expecting it to end there, but tonight she calls, messages me, uh, messages me and asks if I want to go get a drink this week at a cool bar we've discussed. I immediately tell my wife, and she says, oh, no. Uh, she's a little jealous, but also thinks it's funny. I wait a little and then say, hi, I don't think it would be appropriate since I'm married, but I hope you're settling into town nicely. I'm worried she may think I was being presumptuous, but she responds, oops, thank you. All right, all checks out. I consider reaching or reacting with the heart emoji, uh, which is a like on IG. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, or saying no, no oops necessary, but then decide not to react or say anything at all. I leave it there. First question, was I right to leave it there? Well, yeah, yes. if you... <laughs> 
if you didn't want to go get the drink. Right. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. What, what else is there to say? Unless you if want you're not attention. planning on cheating on your I wife, get the yeah, thing. I think that was like, the attention's cool. Like, all right, I got this girl. She likes me. Like, you know, you want to keep it stringing along, but you know, yeah, you told his wife. Like, what's yeah, what was your here? goal? What yeah. was your goal? It your attention like you cup your is filled up. Your attention yeah. cup is filled up. You're good for a while. This is great. Second question was I completely insane asking an expiring musician for her IG. I was really just trying to be nice to someone who makes music, but maybe this is a no go unless I've made it abundantly clear that I'm married. For context, I don't wear a wedding band and I probably looked much younger uh, than how a 23 year old imagines a 34 year old looking. Final question my friend invited me to the life extension thing, also got her number. <laughs> well, okay. I feel kind of bad for getting in his way. Should I? Uh, I did everything I could to help him, but I don't think me asking for this girl's IG stopped anything from happening there. Thanks, guys. Here's what I think you need to focus on. You went to a life extension dinner. Did you get your Thetans tested okay. or something? What the fuck? Right? <laughs> and so somebody invited you to that, and you're apologizing to people? So I think it's all on the table. Like, she must think... I'm surprised she was even thrown up by the married thing. She was like, yeah, but... What if she doesn't have life extension policies? <laughs> right. What do you think about our third <laughs> act? You know, what do you yeah. think about that? At 150, you're going to be single. Yeah. <laughs> She'll have been dead for a long time and will have signed up for this service. So I'm not just, I'm just, you know, planting a seed here for decades later from now. Uh, you told your wife she knows everything that happened and nothing even happened. A person asked you out because they thought you weren't married and then did I just thought there was going to be another layer here where she didn't care and then my whole point was going to be of course there was another layer she was at a life extension dinner okay so i think a lot of like i think people that would go to that are a little bit more open minded about things not trying to judge or stereotype or whatever but i have a couple friends that have dipped their toes into a hey have you ever thought about man's role in today's society and i'm like you talking pick and roll man defense or what what are you talking about you know, and then the next thing I know, I'm like, why are you guys wearing fucking what outfit is that? Yeah. You guys LARPing? What the fuck's going on? Like, Thunderbirds no, offshoot. Yeah, you know, yeah, this is our Thunderbirds <laughs> winter fest. Although it'd be winter now. Anyway, so uh, good recall, Kyle, bringing it all the way back. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. Like there's the level of guilt on this no. should be if Kelvin. I, I, there's nothing here. Yeah. Also, it seems like your wife is fine. Like if she's cool with you not wearing a wedding band, she's probably less jealous than the average bear. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like uh, if she's cool with that, she's probably cool with, you know, this. Hey, look, at she could probably laugh this off. Like you said, she might be a little jealous, which is uh, is maybe human nature. But it sounds like everything's actually cool. Like you don't have any 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 problems on the back end. And uh, you're just thinking of whether or not you should <laughs> give her a heart emoji to maybe see if she'll text you back. Like that might be the the. This it's, what is that subliminal thing here? I think it's just just move on. All good. I don't really have much to add other than stay out of your points <laughs> to your point. Ryan is this does sound kind of like a this sounds like a Seth Rogen movie in like 2010 and like Zoe Deschanel is the girl like that's there's, there's there's something weird. I don't like it just was she there's something weird about is the plot of this thing like no she's like the quirky girl like she's a musician she, you know she and you meet her at this crazy event that you were that you shouldn't have been a bet and then you're married like it just it just it does kind of feel movie script to me so i don't know like we'll have to google this and see if it's on reddit somewhere i thought you wanted to live forever <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wish everybody could see that face yeah without the without the video accompaniment that's not gonna work that well breakout video let's do it breakout video all right Jeez. She's just so quirky. I don't know what it is about her. She's so quirky. Let's let's do it. All right. Uh, that's life advice. Thanks to Cliff. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Ryan Russell podcast. We have 
the New Zealand travelogue coming up next week as well. So again, Ringer Spotify. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.